This episode of Markets Daily is sponsored by CME Group. It's Thursday, October 19th, 2023, and this is Markets Daily from Coindesk. My name is Noel Acheson, Coindesk collaborator and author of the Crypto's Macro Now newsletter on Substack. On today's show, we're talking about crypto support, US housing, the cost of bad policy, and more. So you don't miss an episode, be sure to follow the podcast on your platform of choice. And just a reminder, Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice. Now, a markets roundup. Markets overall are looking really nervous with bonds and equities heading down. And yet Bitcoin is holding up relatively well. According to Coindesk Indices, at 8 a.m. Eastern Time today, it was trading at $28,454, up three-tenths of a percent over the past 24 hours. This suggests that there is buying support, despite the apparent risk-off sentiment dominating markets today. Ether is not holding up quite as well. Earlier today, it was trading down 1.6% at $1,554. In macro indicators, it's time to look at the U.S. housing market. I say that because yesterday, the interest rate on a 30-year mortgage hit 8% for the first time since the year 2000. You would think this would slow down the construction of new homes, right? 8% is a steep mortgage rate, and if fewer people can afford mortgages, then fewer people will be buying new homes. Indeed, yesterday we saw data that showed that the number of mortgage applications has dropped to levels last seen in 1995. Well, it turns out that home construction is growing. Yesterday, we got the latest housing starts data for the US. This is a measure of residential construction and in September, it rose 7%. On the surface, this is good news. Residential construction is a huge industry. It employs almost 1 million people, and spending on homes, not counting the stuff that goes in them, accounts for around 20% of GDP. But this growth masks a troubling outlook. The reason new homes are being built is that existing home sales are dropping because people can't afford to move. If you have a current mortgage at 4%, moving now could mean paying double for a mortgage. And since home prices have gone up by over 40% on average since the pandemic, probably even more than that. So people are staying put, which means there are fewer homes being put on the market, which means more demand for new homes. However, and unfortunately, even new homes are hard to buy with a mortgage rate of 8%, so this growth may not last. Earlier this week, we saw a national survey that showed confidence among single-family home builders slumping to a nine-month low. So, even if you personally are not in the market for a new home, US housing data is worth watching for what it says about what may be ahead. Right now, there is still activity, which is good, but 8% mortgages are painful. Moving on, stock markets were a sea of red yesterday as the conflict in the Middle East shows no signs of abating and as U.S. yields continue to climb. The 10-year Treasury is almost at 5% and the 2-year note is above 5.2%. These are the highest levels since 2007. The S&P 500 was down 1.3% yesterday, NASDAQ was down 1.6% and the Dow Jones lost 1%. 
In Europe, all the main indices were also down around 1% yesterday and have continued to drop sharply today. In Asia, the same. The Shanghai Composite was down one and three quarters of a percent today, the Nikkei was down two percent, and the Hang Seng dropped an eye-watering two and a half percent. In commodities, oil prices eased slightly as OPEC showed no signs of supporting Iran's call for an oil embargo on Israel, even though Iran is a member of OPEC. Earlier today, the Brent crude benchmark was trading down seven-tenths of a percent at $91.15 a barrel. Gold, on the other hand, is still climbing, up three-tenths of a percent, trading at $1,952 per ounce. Stay with us. After the break, we're going to talk about the consequences of bad crypto policy and also about the role of crypto in the funding of terrorism. CME Group cryptocurrency futures and options provide market-leading liquidity for Bitcoin and Ether trading. These cash-settled contracts give full exposure to crypto performance without the hassle of holding the physical position. No digital wallet? No problem. Trade nearly 24-7 in a transparent CFTC-regulated market. Visit cmegroup.com crypto to learn more. This communication is not directed to investors of any specific jurisdiction or to recipients based in jurisdictions in which distribution is not permitted. It cannot be considered investment advice or results of market experience. Past results are not indicative of future performance. Trading derivatives products involves the risk of loss. Please consider it carefully. Full disclaimer included in show notes. Welcome back. In this section, we're going to be looking at why policy matters. But first, an important issue I want to address is the reported role of crypto in terrorism financing. It doesn't have much to do directly with markets, but it is significant given what's happening in the world and given the evolving policy considerations for the crypto ecosystem. You may have seen reports in the mainstream media that Hamas and related groups have received roughly $130 million in crypto financing over the past couple of years. That has triggered a letter to the U.S. administration signed by Senator Elizabeth Warren and over a hundred other U.S. representatives demanding to know what was going to be done about the possibility of using crypto for terrorism financing. Because this could impact whether crypto ever becomes truly accepted in the U.S. at the regulatory level, and because $130 million is a big number, this is worth thinking about especially since I'm sure we can all agree that less terrorism in the world would be a very good thing. First, let's look at the number itself. Blockchain forensics firm Chainalysis published a report yesterday that adds some detail to the claims. We'll put a link in the show notes. It points out that the totals given refer to all flows through service providers that handle accounts linked to terrorism, but not all of that money is for terrorism activities. Of course, that does not mean no action should be taken. The sanctions imposed yesterday by the U.S. Treasury on a known facilitator and the seizure last week by Israel of Hamas-linked accounts on Binance will make it harder for Hamas to finance its operations. But one overlooked feature of crypto financing that hopefully regulators will come to appreciate is that crypto transactions can be traced if there is enough at stake. Crypto crowdfunding can give terrorist groups access to a global market of potential donors but any donations to and withdrawals from the advertised addresses can be traced. Blockchain transactions are pseudonymous, but where there is sufficient interest, forensic methods can usually find out the relevant identities. Indeed, in April, Hamas shut down its crypto crowdfunding out of concern for the safety of its donors. 
just like fiat, crypto can be used to finance illicit activities. But it is arguably a much worse financing method for terrorists than age-old cash. For instance, the U.S. Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, known as the FDIC, in charge of supervising the safety of financial institutions, has made it impossible for banks to develop even compliant crypto strategies. This is according to the agency's own Inspector General in a report published yesterday. The Inspector General's report accused the agency of not developing clear procedures, of causing regulatory uncertainty, and of telling banks to stop working on crypto services without giving them guidance as to why or for how long. The FDIC has promised to do better and will have guidelines in place by January. Meanwhile, Standard Chartered, a global bank headquartered in the UK, has continued the trend of financial institutions setting up crypto services in other jurisdictions. Yesterday, it announced that early next year it will start custodying Bitcoin and Ether for institutional clients, but not in the US, in Dubai. The more legacy firms setting up crypto operations in these places, the more we'll see crypto firms moving or emerging in order to help them out. This will lead to stronger crypto network effects in financial centers outside the US. On the plus side, it's possible that the US will eventually notice this happening and will realize that the migration of potential investment opportunity, capital, and financial innovation could end up hurting its standing as the world's largest financial market one can hope. Crypto policy is an important pillar for the development of robust global crypto markets. This week, Coindesk has been featuring a series of deep articles written by a wide range of legal and crypto experts on the outlook for crypto policy. There's a lot of great insight in there. We'll put a link in the show notes. And next week, Coindesk is hosting an event called State of Crypto in Washington, D.C., which will bring great minds together to discuss this key topic. If you're interested in joining them, we'll put a link to that in the show notes too. And don't forget, tomorrow I'll pick one of the questions you've been sending in, maybe two depending on what else is going on, and I'll do my best to answer them. There's still time to send in what you'd like to know more about. You can email podcasts at coindesk.com or drop us a note in the Spotify Q&A. That's it for today's show. For more crypto podcasts, check out the Coindesk Podcast Network. You can reach us at podcasts at coindesk.com, follow us, and if you like the show, please leave us a five-star rating on whatever platform you're listening to us on. Markets Daily is produced and edited by Eleanor Paul, with executive production by Jared Schwartz. I'm Noel Atchison for Coindesk. We're back tomorrow with more market news and insights.